This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, February 25th, 2017, episode 88. Baba Yaga returns. By the way, that title is courtesy one of our new channel managers, John, who has... After fully 45 minutes of wrestling with the technical incompetence of Google, as expressed both in YouTube and Google+, our new manager, John, has finally, finally, finally helped us get back on the air for today because... I know it's a tradition here, and we respect our traditions here at Geek Gab. It's a tradition here to have massive technical problems. But I wish to assure you that Google, in an effort to aid us in maintaining our traditions, has decided to create brand new technical problems that we could experience because we had had plenty of experience with the old technical problems and we knew how to handle them and were frankly getting a little bit bored so google created an entirely new an entirely new category plateau achievement of technical problems for us to experience. Thank you for the thought, Google. Well, Go ahead, guys. Take it away. Well, come on, Daddy Warpig. Things have been going so smoothly on Geek Gab. I think we were overdue. Yeah, although, I mean, it seems to have paid off because we have 13 people watching right now. <laughs> That's all we need every episode is a little drama to drive viewership. And on a personal note, I think it's great to have this uh, little icon. I mean, I'm a big fan of my cartoon whatever it is that I use normally. But this Geek Gab logo is pretty spiffy. Um. <laughs> all right. Let us take all of the problems and put them aside. Just, just shove them away. Shove them in the closet. Forget about them. Because we've got an awesome movie to talk about this week. We really do. And by the way, if you look below the video, there's no description right now. All the description will be there later. Okay? So don't worry about that. We will put our normal description in there when I can log back in and have control of the channel again. Um, so would you like to tell them what movie we, we all of us, all three of us, went and saw? We are talking about Baba Yaga, another name for John Wick. We saw John Wick Chapter 2. Oh, my goodness, it was awesome. Oh, did I spoil it? Did I ruin the show? It's awesome. <laughs> it is It is great. Uh, actually, um, it was really nice because, uh, as we've been talking for the past month or so, um, I'm, I'm raising a newborn puppy, uh, and it's been great. It, it's been great and rewarding. But finally, and I mean finally, uh, Mrs. Dornell and I were able to put him in a crate for a couple of hours. No doggy daycare or anything. We set him aside for a couple of hours. Went and saw a movie. Had a little a little date afternoon. 
no problems at all. Guys, it's smooth sailing from here. Beautiful. You shouldn't have said that. I know. That was like the worst possible thing you could have said. Because you know what happens as soon as you say, oh, yeah, what could go wrong? Or it's smooth sailing or everything looks great. <laughs> Couldn't get worse than this. At least yeah. he didn't say the unholy words. He did not say the unholy phrase itself. How bad could it be? Is it... <laughs> no, I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, no, I said it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, and, we, we and... have so many problems. I always have a bad feeling about this, so I just roll with the punches now. I'm just it used to us, it. It gives us energy. It gives us life, that bad feeling. Um, this is a little bit of a digression, by the way. Oh, I do, we did have a question. We had a request. Several of the people started listening to the show uh, because of last week's episode with Razor Fist, John C. Wright, and Jeffro. So the first comment I want to make is uh, people have requested that we do another episode of that. We ran for about an hour and a half, and once we got off the air, we had another hour and a half of discussion. So that did not get recorded, didn't get sent out. Uh, it was just a lot of fun for the six of us involved. Um, we will definitely try to get another uh, roundtable scheduled with, uh, with those three it uh, probably won't happen until sometime in April because we are chock full with guests for at least the next month. Um, so, yes, we, we heard your requests. We'll try to get Razor Fist, John, Razor Fist, John C. Wright, and uh, Jeffro Johnson all back on the show again, but it won't happen for at least a month because we've got tons of other people already lined up. Um, because of the popularity of last week's show, we have about a hundred new, a hundred, literally a hundred new subscribers to the channel. So we had another request, oddly enough, from the same individual that we should introduce ourselves. The three hosts of the show should reintroduce ourselves so that all of the people who have just subscribed who may not know who the three of us are can get caught up. So before we talk about John Wick itself, John Wick Chapter 2, which is an excellent movie. Before we talk about that, we want to uh, go ahead and reintroduce ourselves so that everybody knows who the three hosts of this show are. And uh, I'll start with John. Hi, everybody. Thanks, uh, and welcome to all our new subscribers and everything. Uh, I'm John, or Dornal, on Twitter. I am a an old friend of Daddy Warpigs. I am a huge fan of games, mostly tabletop. Love a good video game too. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big reader like these guys are. Uh, I let Brian and uh, Daddy Warpig do all the the fanboy stuff on the authors, but. Uh, it's great to do this show with y'all and talk with my wonderful co-hosts and interesting guests about amazing movies um, each week. And you're also a computer programmer, uh, professionally. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, that's how I buy food, is I sit uh, at a giant, evil, globalist corporation and try to make the software as best as I can. Um. And John also runs a D&D &D campaign, which we end up talking here 
Uh, we end up talking about here on the show surprisingly often. Good news. I'll be starting that up again in about two weeks. And we actually, uh, about a month ago, somebody asked us a question they wanted us to answer on the show. So uh, after we get done with John Wick, hopefully we'll be able to have some time to talk about it. It is about role-playing games and video games, so, uh, right. and fiction, so. Um, and Brian. Hello. Author Brian Niemeyer. I've been a finalist for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Author. I'm also a winner of the first Dragon Award ever for Best Horror Novel for my self-published novel, Soul Dancer. And it is the first and so far only indie novel to win a Dragon Award. And I'm also a quasi-Castelli House author. And uh, I love something coming out from them hopefully soon so stay tuned and welcome to all of our new friends welcome back to all of our loyal listeners we're we're gonna have some fun all right um and i am daddy warpig um I blog over at the Castelia House blog and my own blog, daddywarpig.com. Um, and actually, my entire bio is over at the uh, uh, Castelia House blog, so I should just read that. Uh, I am on Twitter as daddy underscore warpig, um, and I founded the, uh, founded the Geek Gab podcast. Um, on a whim and we've been doing it for two years now we've had a ton of awesome awesome uh guests including adam baldwin the hollywood actor john c wright um the razor fist jeffro johnson larry korea um and we hopefully have even more awesome guests lined up after the next three or four weeks of already awesome guests we've got lined up next week uh we have scheduled jim fear uh, the who's a blogger and a audio book producer, and we have got Rick Stump, who's an old school gaming blogger. We have uh, Rob Kreese, Yakov Merkin, uh, Jason Rennie, and we're lining up hopefully some other people uh, who uh, are all awesome, even if you haven't necessarily heard of them before. So. We have a lot of fun here at Geek Gab. We talk about pretty much anything we want as far as, you know, board games, computer games, role-playing games, uh, books, movies, music, um, anything about all that stuff that that crosses our desks. We only have a couple of rules here, the first one of which is no politics. We don't talk about politics on the show. And we also try to keep the language family-friendly uh, at a PG level so that if you're listening to the show with uh, little ones around, everything's okay. Um, it frequently I'm producing the show with little ones around, so really, that kind of restrained my language anyway. So we'll uh, kick it over and talk about John Wick Chapter 2, which is, by the way, for those of you who did not know, and I hope I don't surprise you with this, I hope I don't shock you with this so much that you fall right the heck off your chairs. John Wick Chapter 2 is, in point of fact, a direct sequel to a movie called John Wick, which came out in 2014. 
direct sequel. I mean, they, the the opening of the movie is, so what happened, you know, in the following few days or weeks after the events of John Wick? It was great. Yeah, nice pickup where you left off. I think it literally happens like two or three days, at, and it can't be more than that. It, at the most, it can be up to maybe a week, but it happens two or three days after John Wick ends. So he's yeah, he's obviously healed up and everything, and and there was one unanswered question which wasn't really important at all at the end of John Wick, which was you know what happened to his car, which I had actually kind of thought about when I when I watched the movie. I kind of wondered, well, where did his car go? Yeah, and, and the writers were like, guys, 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 here's how we start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there is. <laughs> Where do we start? Brian, what did you think? Holy cow. Well, I actually wrote a blog post about it, so my thoughts might actually be organized this time. So, yes, it picks up from where John Wick left off in a brilliant sequence that ties up loose threads from the first one. And there's one thing that a good sequel has to do to be a good sequel. It's to expand on the first one. It's got to be bigger. The stakes have to be higher. The, the here's got to be in deeper. But without breaking the conventions of the series are already established. So John C. Wright has said it's like preparing a favorite dish for your your audience, but adding a little extra spice or a little bigger portion, you know, just something to make it new and interesting while still being the same thing. And they they walked that tightrope just exquisitely well. I mean, this is everything that a sequel should be. I'll start with that. Well, let I, I want to unpack that, uh, Daddy Warpig. You you love to you love to summarize. What would you say are the things about John Wick that that they expanded on that that that, that they did really well in this movie, like Brian was saying? Well, uh, obviously, what you want to expand on is the. Often it was left implied in the first movie exactly what the milieu was. What's going on with this uh, community of assassins? What's going on with the hotel? Um, the whole mystical or mysterious angle of the gold coins, things like that. That that whole uh, mythos that surrounded the first movie was really cool and uh, very... It, it hinted at a lot of stuff that was not directly said and allowed you to infer a lot of stuff that was not directly said. And so the second movie needs to expand on the mythos while being just as cool as the first one and also add some new elements to the mythos that are just as cool as the ones that were already present. It, uh, if you want to see an example of how to do it badly, look at the prequel trilogies of the Star Wars movies which instead of the cool force that uh, life generates us, that surrounds us, that binds us, luminous beings are we, not this crude flesh. And then you get on it and he says, hey, I got a blood test here for some midi chlorines. If you could get that back to me in 10 minutes, I need to know how strong the force is with this kid. It's, it's ridiculous how badly uh, George Lucas did that. Yeah, and, and I... I want to say that that is actually my favorite part of the movie. Uh, John Wick 
was one of, is one of the best action movies I've ever seen. But the best part of it for me was that that great, that interesting world that was just hinted at just enough to set the stage for all the headshots to come. And they're doing a great job of incrementally revealing their world building because it's it's clear in the first one that they're just not they're not just flying by the seat of their pants. That they do have this thought out. You know, there there is an order and a structure here under the surface, but that's not important because we need to get to some badass action. Well, in the second one, they start to reveal that hidden underworld and just how extensive it is while still having lots of badass action. So again, they, they walk the line perfectly and I, I can only describe it as uh, if anyone has ever played like a, a white wolf game, like vampire, the masquerade or, or anything like the mob in John Wick in that universe is basically like the vampires in that kind of story. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because oh. I, was, I was talking to Mrs. Dornell uh, after the movie and we, and I said to her, tell me, and, and there's this great part played by uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who's a, an underworld lord, and he's sort of like an information broker. And and yes, it, uh, the whole the whole crowd in the theater chuckled at the uh, Neo Morpheus reunion. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he's playing this underworld guy with this sort of guy with all the eyes and ears, and, and so he's got information. And I'm like, tell me that is not a Nosferatu elder <laughs> with an army of Nosferatu and Malkavian vampires uh, as his network of spies. And she's like, absolutely. It, it's yeah, it is. It's very very much the. Um, I mean, almost urban fantasy is a genre, but in urban fantasy, what you have is typically, not always, but typically what you have is a hidden world of magic and magical creatures that normal people don't ever come into contact with often, except the very, very tiny few times they do, it's uh, catastrophic. Now, this this world doesn't have any magic. It doesn't have any spells. It doesn't have any magical creatures. But what it does have is this hidden world of crime, of mobs, of uh, gangsters that normal people almost never come into contact with. But when they do, it's catastrophic. And people who are normal people but are kind of clued into the existence of this secret world uh, know what's going on and typically just step out of the way, like the cop. Uh, who is uh, the cop from the first movie who goes up to John Wick's door and knocks on the door and John Wick says, uh, noise complaint, and the cop nods and says, noise complaint. And uh, then he looks in the house and sees the dead body there and says, um, you know, are you working again, John? Um, That police officer shows up again in this movie for a small moment and then he's gone. But, but, it just shows what the authorities, what the police are like in a world where far more powerful forces than they exist. And they kind of, you know, at that point where you are so grotesquely uh, outpowered, you just kind of have to step back. So, yeah, I thought that was a, an interesting insight as to, like, the three levels. The first level is the mob and everybody and all the mobs. There's several different criminal organizations. And you find that in this movie. That's actually a large part of this movie. And then underneath them, you have 
the few, that thin line of normal people who occasionally run into the mob, but mostly are just normal. And then underneath that, you have all the normal people who almost never run into these mobsters. So that's a that was one of the coolest moments. Uh, Jimmy the Cop, as Bradford Walker is pointing out in the chat, uh, Jimmy the Cop is one of the more interesting encounters because uh, you expect that whole thing to go one way in the movie. And I'm sorry, it's been three years since the movie came out. So if that's a little bit of a spoiler, you just said, you know, tough luck. Um, you expect it to go one way and it goes completely a different direction because he knows what he's getting involved in and doesn't really want to enter that world fully. Oh, the other thing about this movie that I loved, and I'm changing subjects abruptly, is the line. There is one single line that sets up this entire movie from the first movie, and it is said by Ian McShane to John Wick in the bar. He says, you got out, not many people do that, if you dip so much as a pinky back in this world, you may find something reaching out to grab you and pull you back in. And that's exactly what John Wick 2 is about. In the first movie, John Wick dipped his pinky back into into this world, and in the second one, something reaches out and grabs him and drags him all the way back in. Well said. Absolutely, and and I wanted to point out that you you mentioned spoilers and the Jimmy the Cop thing, and so for people who watched John Wick. Uh, might think that they did uh, a retread of some of those scenes for fan service. And that's kind of true. There's a couple of scenes that they repeat in John Wick Chapter 2. But as far as setting up the world and, and uh, explaining, the movie is a little long. It's, it's about two hours. And the first act is extended because they do enough groundwork that I would even recommend this to someone who's n who never seen John Wick. I would recommend seeing John Wick first because it's a better movie and one of the best action movies I've ever seen. But this uh, this movie is actually totally watchable by itself. Yeah, they did a really good job of layering in enough world building so that you're not lost. You don't have to see the first one to know what's going on. Well, I'd say one of the reasons for that is because unlike so many these days, the filmmakers understand the, the visual language of film in the ability of movies to convey meaning without using any words at all. So an experiment I like to try when this comes out on Blu-ray is watch it with a sound off. Because I bet you that you could take someone who's never seen either John Wick movie and put him down in front of John Wick 2, turn the sound off, and it would not only be intelligible, but satisfying. What do you think of that? That'd be an interesting... Uh... An interesting challenge. I'd like to see how that went. Yeah, um, well, for one thing, there's a lot of subtitles because there's a lot of foreign language dialogue, but uh, I think one nod to it is that uh, there, there's one um, major supporting character who is mute and communicates only with sign language. So it almost <laughs> seemed like a little nod from the filmmakers because um, in any given frame, like you could take any frame of this movie and it's just packed with meaning and, and layers of it. Like, I'm thinking specifically about any of the museum scenes. Like, uh, without getting into spoilers, there is a scene where a man is plotting to do something nefarious to a family member, and he's in a gallery of Greek gods and heroes. And all of them have some form of a theme of, like, 
patricide or sibling rivalry or internecine warfare. But it's, but it's just off in the background. And you can enjoy it on a level of, oh, this looks cool. But if, if you know your Greek mythology, it's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. It's, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. I loved it. I didn't even notice that. But you enjoyed it. So there we are. <laughs> what, what I like about this movie, too, the first movie explained the mythos of the world through hints and, mis and uh, you know, subtext and things like that. This movie expands on who John Wick was before he got married in exactly the same way. There's very little of his history explicitly stated. And what is explicitly stated is is uh, a lot of times repeated from the first movie. But you get a, a very good sense of exactly who John Wick was by the comments other people say and by how they act around him. Uh, and I'm thinking specifically of at one point he has an encounter with a mob boss who he had a past with. It's a female mob boss he had known before he left this world. And the way she treats him, the comments she says really is quite illuminating as to John Wick and his character before he retired. And that gives you a better sense of who he was and a more interesting sense of who he was than if they had just did it via, you know, via an info dump. Info dump. Yeah. And it's kind of refreshing because there's, there, there's so much respect and, and uh, regard that a lot of those underworld figures have for John Wick but they don't do a cheesy flashback like the the guy who the master of the continental hotel uh which is sort of like a neutral zone uh no business here a uh, place for mobsters and assassins right um they have great regard for john wick but it's not just based on his reputation as the nastiest most violent uh you know the most effective hitman ever there there's there's also some some respect there but they don't they don't bother with a flashback or anything to show you what happened right like that they just let it be and it works i like the idea of the continental hotel chain it reminds me of uh how the immortals in highlander treat holy ground i wonder if that was the inspiration for it this is the thing uh it, you in this movie you travel to rome not just new york and so you see another continental hotel and one of the small um touches that really made this movie just elevated it. Ian McShane has a counterpart in this Rome hotel who looks nothing like him, but the two are almost identical brothers. They're almost identical twins, even though they look nothing like each other in their characterization and what they say. You, they're still different people, but it was amazing to me how they could find someone else to be in the same mold of Ian McShane to kind of imply that wherever there's a continental, there's someone who is absolutely no nonsense, powerful behind it. It was, it was really awesome. No doubt. Um, so let's, let's talk about the action because let's be honest, John Wick is built around its action. Um, We're only now getting to the action. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of uh, as far as what's actually on the screen, what occupies the most time of the movie is the action. Um, all of this stuff we've been talking about that are really involving and cool just happens in a very short percentage of the screen time. And when you think about it, it's really amazing how much they do with a very uh, sparse 
amount of screen time. So the action, what is it? Uh, um, I, I'll tell you the first thing. The action, of course, is awesome. They did the same thing they did in the first movie. In the first movie, at the very, very beginning, you have John Wick get in his car and go out and drive around the airport, and his skill with driving a car turns out to be critical later in the movie. They do that same sort of thing so they can establish his skills in non-critical situation so that later when he has to call on those same skills uh, in absolutely life or death situations, they've already established that he's capable of doing what he ends up doing. Exactly. Something else that has been pointed out in the chat and that uh, I'll draw attention to is the fisticuffs, you know, the, the, the martial arts. It's uh, They seem to be more inspired by MMA than by like uh, Hong Kong wire foo style like we saw in The Matrix. I think uh, Ben Rodriguez pointed that out. And also, they, they avoid the number one mistake of American action movies. You get to see the hits. I'm glad they went with a solid R rating because the hits feel crunchy and they feel like they have consequences. It just all the all of the gunfights and the fist fights feel like there are stakes. They're, they're not all floaty and dreamlike and weird. Um, the and, and to comment on that, the director of the first movie, um, Chad Stahelski, has spent a long time as a um, stunt performer and a kickboxer he was instructor at a martial arts academy um and so when he came in to do john wick the reason why they use that brutal um street level not wire foo style of martial arts is because he, he's a fight coordinator he's a stunt coordinator he's a you know a stuntman he's a real kickboxer um, and so that's what he knows, and that's why the fights are done so well, is he can show all of those things. Um, he knows how to do them, and so uh, that's how he could do it as a director, because he knows exactly what he's doing. Let me, uh, let's see, he was a stunt coordinator. I'm just going to read this off of IMDb. He was a stunt coordinator on The Expendables. He was a stunt coordinator on The Mechanic, a stunt coordinator on The Hunger Games, a stunt coordinator on The Expendables 2, uh, The Wolverine. Um, Red 2, Hunger Games, Hunger Games Catching Fire, Tron Legacy, Ninja Assassin, uh, Speed Racer, Jumper, Rambo, which is Rambo 4, um, Live Free or Die Hard. I mean, 300, he was a, a fight choreographer, an assistant fight choreographer for. Uh, v for Vendetta, Serenity, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, he did stunts for. So you can see, I mean, he's got this, and I, I haven't even read all of them. That's just picking out ones you'd know. Um, he's been around this, and so he knows what he's doing. I'll say. And and there's some really they do some creative stunts too. Uh, my favorite, which uh, which I'm gonna spoil slightly, is they've got uh, at the beginning when uh, when they do the car scene where he's getting his car back, and there's a, a big a long action sequence involving the car, and. The, he does something uh, earlier in, in a previous scene where he, he loses the car door, and then they use that in a future scene just a, a couple of minutes later for an amazing stunt. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to actually spoil the stunt. It's a fantastic scene, and um, for, every, for every two or three times where they do the sort of John Wick is an amazing uh, 
you know, is amazingly accurate and gets all headshots all the time. They have some really creative stunts as part of the action, and especially in that car scene at the beginning, um, which for which for me threatened to be a boring action scene. Uh, really, the the great stunt in the action was tied into the story. Like it, the action told a story. That's what you need action movies to do. It's not just this happened and then this guy got shot and this guy got killed. It has to tell a story, and uh, that's another thing that the John John Wick and John Wick Chapter Two do so well. Yeah, I agreed. A lesser filmmaker would have given us just an an empty-headed, action fatigue inducing sequence of of loud noise and and feeling out and things getting smashed and i would have just zoned out and checked my phone but but no or or, or like a yeah or like avengers where um which was a really fun movie i think we all liked it but really the the action scenes were you know joss whedon and his writers going hey wouldn't it be wouldn't this scene be cool yeah that'd be great wouldn't it be great if you know the Bruce Banner just turned into a Hulk and punched a jet or, or, you know, it punched a crashing alien like that. Yeah, that'd be great. It was like, it was a series of cool scenes sort of strung together. And th- that's yeah. not what happens in a real action movie. Nope. That's what I think uh, both Captain America movies were much better in terms of action than Avengers. I mean, he beats up a plane in the first one for crying out loud. Um, I will say this about the action. I was a little bit disappointed, not hugely disappointed, but I was a little bit disappointed because they went with slightly more shaky cam than in the first one. And that was disappointing. A little bit. Uh, I will say that, you know, I I concur and I am hypersensitive to shaky cam. I mean, full disclosure, I had to walk out of the third born movie because I was getting so seasick. I, I, I couldn't handle it, but, uh, after a little while, I got I got acclimated to John Wick two pretty fast, so it's it's not horrible, but I'd like to see them ease up on it for uh, for part three. But I think part of the reason is is that they uh, we were talking in the comments earlier about Common's performance, and and that highlighted for me the mixed level of skills with the actors and the stuntmen. Um, common uh, rapper turned actor now had had a fun uh, small part as a, as a bodyguard slash assassin. And he had a lot of fun scenes with Keanu Reeves, but uh, when it came to the action scenes, uh, he was really stiff and unconvincing in the hand-to-hand combat when it wasn't obviously a stunt double. You could tell when the stunt double it was in because, <laughs> you know, the movements were crisp and clean and it was, it was great action. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, the, the cam got real shaky there for a second. I bet that's not really Keanu Reeves. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, but Keanu Reeves we know as is, is excellent. And not everybody was on that the same level. And I think that contributed uh, to your disappointment. Speaking Ooh. of Keanu Reeves being excellent really quick. Um, so did anyone see him training in three gun did anyone see the youtube videos released before this movie came out yes i, I actually saw them a couple of years ago when they were first put up uh and terran did- tactical do a search for terran t-a-r-a-n tactical he's a uh, uh he runs a gun range in california and he trains people for movies uh, michelle rodriguez uh trained with him for um several of the um of the resident evil movies yeah and 
Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, amazing video. And did did everybody else do an air guitar when you said Keanu Reeves excellent? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, and they they use it in the movie. Just they the trans they transplant the, the skills he learned directly into it. I love that sequence. Uh, so so I asked Larry Correa, who used to be, uh, used to do competitive three gun, and just FYI, guys, he hasn't seen the movie yet. He's going to try to find time to see it. So uh, he's avoiding spoilers in the meantime. But I, I can't wait to hear what he thinks of the uh, the three gun in John Wick Chapter Two. And it, which is great because they they set it up so that. This is another gem for people who've been paying attention. There's lots of Easter eggs in here, guys. Um, so if you haven't seen that uh, that clip in the first movie, I recommend it. But what you're talking about, like they they actually set it up where he gets an array of of weapons, and then he sort of he sort of sets the stage. And if you watch that that clip of him doing three gun, you're like, oh no, he's he's not actually going to do it. And then and then they do it. <laughs> he just does the three gun, and it's it's actually one of the better uh, better scenes in the whole movie. Um, I'll stick a link to the Keanu Reeves Terran tactical video in the description uh, after the show, so people uh, can come back and and check that out. Um, all right, we are running out of time. Um, I want to say this: I uh, any last thoughts before we before we take off love it better than i expected brian i concur despite the the shaky cam uh it, it's even better looking than the first one i'd have to go back and rewatch general part one but i was just floored by how beautifully photographed this movie is it's one of the rare cases these days where i do say that the the visuals sell a movie although everything else is great too highly recommended um I sat down, my brother-in-law has never seen John Wick. So before we went and saw the movie, I actually sat down with him and rewatched the entire first and the entire first one. Uh, and then went and saw John Wick chapter two the next day. So I was, you know, fresh off of it when I went and watched it. And so um, I thought it was really, really, uh, it was it was better looking better cinematography than the first one okay. um and i was i was slightly disappointed in very very small aspects of the movie um but on the whole it's easily well worth buying if you're an action movie fan which i am and uh it is well worth uh going and seeing in the theater just to see it on the big screen there's enough going on in the movie that if uh, if you like the first one, almost assuredly you'll like the second one. Go see it in the theaters. There's enough going on screen to make it worth uh, paying, you know, full price or matinee price for or whatever. Uh, very very enjoyable movie. Uh, I I said before that John Wick is one of the best movies in the last ten years before then, and maybe since the eighties. Uh, and John Wick Two is not at all a letdown. It maintains that high level of quality through the whole movie. Um, and I, I very much enjoyed it. So I'm going to ask you guys and everyone in the chat this question then. So seeing as how they're clearly doing the three, 
three act movie things. They're, they set up for a third one. Do you think that the John Wick series, since it is one of the best movies since the eighties, might succeed where Star Wars failed? And just setting up this overarching three act structure made of three movies that are themselves three act structures, but they they stay good and consistent. I I don't know. I don't know if they I don't know if they will, but I know if they maintain this same high level of of uh, quality, I know they can. That's what I was wondering. I, I agree. It could happen. So, uh, all right, folks, we uh, we got to take off for today. Time is our time is up. Uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties. Thanks for everyone who came over and uh, started watching the show, despite our problems on the previous broadcast. Um, and hopefully now with uh, with backup managers, if we do have technical problem, we can uh, in the future we can just switch to a uh, to backups. Uh, we let me run through this. We're available on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekgab. We're available on the iTunes Store, SoundCloud, and the Google Play Store. Just do a search for GeekGab. You can subscribe to us, to the podcast. And uh, we do this about once a week, generally about the same time. We're looking forward to, uh, at least scheduled right now, Jim Fear uh, for next week's show. We want to thank you all for tuning in. And we are signing up for today, but don't worry, we will be back.